Good day to you, fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. But it, it is about the... Um, it is about Jacob from Genesis chapter 25. And uh, I got to tell you this story. So I think I can move through it. And I think you will be here till one o'clock. God bless you if you can't make that. Um, b- but the Eagles don't play till 425. So you're good today. And uh, so I know I got Robert for the duration. And Genesis 25. I'm going to move right into the the message versus my typical introduction. The title you saw was Lessons Learned. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of, I'm sorry, I turned the page and I wasn't supposed to, on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. So it goes from nothing to two. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Now, she's never had a child. I don't know why she thought she needed to ask the Lord about this, but somehow she knew. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. What that's telling you is obviously this was pre-ultrasound. She had no idea there were two babies in her womb. Until they showed up. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. And then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Well, glory. I am 61 and cannot imagine that. So let's look at the early years. Because you got to know a little bit about Jacob. To properly understand Jacob, we have to look into his past. His name means he grasps the heel or he deceives. The He grasps the heel, I'm sure you can get because that's what the passage said about him. At birth, he held on to the heel of his brother, who came out first. He was a twin born of Isaac and Rebekah. And in fairness to Rebekah and Jacob, so follow me on this, God revealed His plans to Rebekah before birth. So what does that mean? All right, listen to me real quick. God showed Rebekah that Jacob, her second born, was to be blessed. God had some, uh, some he, he made a sovereign decision to, and chose Jacob over Esau. And 
I know that he showed this to Rebecca. I suspect that Rebecca told Jacob before he got out of his teens that he was specially chosen by God. And this naturally, however, left room for the craftiness of men in this operation because I'm sure at some point she told him. And so they start figuring, Rebecca and Jacob may have felt they needed to help God out. You ever felt like you needed to help God out? Can I get an amen from those of you who have helped God out at times? Like you don't think God could take care of this and you've got to lend him a hand. By the way, God, did you know If he were to answer you, he'd say, yeah, I did know that. Because one thing God has never said is, I never saw that coming. So Esau falls into a trap set by his emotions. Now, I'm trusting some of you to know the story. I cannot read all of the scriptures because this is several chapters in Genesis that we're going through. But I can assure you, this is really interesting reading. And after I'm done with this message, I am certain some of you are going to go back and say, I need to read that whole story. Because there's going to be some gaps in what I tell you because you don't understand the whole story. Esau, the older brother, they're older now. And um, he comes home after a long day and he's hungry. Now, let me get you into the cultural proper picture here. They, this was pre-McDonald's. They, so that's fast food. You even in your household, you can prepare a meal. You can prepare a good meal in 30 minutes. They could not back in that day. If they wanted a, a meal, something had to die. You had to clean it up, then you had to cut it up, and then you had to start cooking it, which means you have to build a fire, and you have to gather the herbs and spices, and then you have to get the other stuff to accompany a meal. So we're talking about start to finish. When you decide you're going to eat back in this time, you're talking two hours at minimum. So Isaac gets home after a rough day, and he thinks, I am starving. I want something. See, he was hangry, as some of y'all would say. And, and so he wanted something to eat. So what does he do? His brother is home and he's got a meal all prepared. So Jacob's going to help God out. And he looks at his brother, Esau, the firstborn, and he says, listen, if you'll give me your birthright, I'll give you this food. And he's thinking, Esau's thinking with his stomach, not his head. He says, what do I care about a birthright? I'm hungry. And um, for those of you who are having a hard time comprehending why he would do such a thing, have you ever gone to the movies and you just bought popcorn and sodas for two people? Is that anybody had done that here? Please raise your hand. I'm not the only one that has ever watched a movie recently. You'll spend 30 bucks, 40 bucks for two people to have popcorn and sodas. You could have gone to the Bethlehem Diner and ate more than that for that. 
And so you're thinking, why would he sell his soul for this? But we do the very same thing with sex and immorality. We will sell our souls for 15 minutes of fun. I know that's tough. Y'all don't have to say amen, but I'm going to preach it anyway. Because it's what we do. 15 minutes of pleasure. Or maybe an evening of pleasure. You're drinking alcohol till you're drunk or smoking weed. I know I'm being too real for you today. So Jacob tricks Esau out of his birthright. Um, Esau fritters away his distinctive value. It cost him dearly, but it's no different than what we do. Hebrews says this about uh, Esau. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. For those of you who think people cannot backslide, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. Birthright involved the double inheritance that was due to the oldest son born into their families. Double inheritance. He gave that up. That didn't mean he didn't, he, he didn't receive any blessing. He just didn't receive what he was due because of his birthright. <laughs> that principle remains with God's children who are his heirs today. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and say you're an heir of the king. You, but your new birthright has given you privilege that everybody else doesn't get. Oh, we can sing those songs. Jesus loves the little children of the world. All the children of the world. He does love them all. He absolutely does. But until you are born again, you don't have access to the rights of an heir of the King of Kings. When you give your life to Jesus, now you become an heir. Somebody say, I want my double portion blessing. I ain't, don't sell your birthright. You've been bought with a price. And then Rebecca and Jacob, they trick Isaac into blessing Jacob instead of Esau. And, and, and I know, again, read the whole story. But at this point, Isaac, the father, was nearly blind. Nearly completely blind. And so they had to bring him in front of him. And so uh, Rebecca and Jacob trick, you know, her husband, Jacob's father, into believing it was Esau who came in there. And so they put fur on his arms so he felt like his brother. And Isaac is suspicious, but he falls for it. And Rebecca. I got to say this, some of you parents, you need to listen to me when I say this. Again, I know this is harsh, but I'll pick you up before we're done. Um, Rebecca was a manipulator. She raised a manipulator. 
Jacob took after his mom. She took him down this path of deception and, and, and manipulation to get what you want. You need to break out of that cycle if that's happening in your life. If somebody's told you or somebody that loves you has told you, you you're manipulative, you need to work on that. All right, so let me move along. Jacob developed into a conniving manipulator. And uh, this is what's happening in his life, but God's favor ain't fair. This is going to be a tough one for you. Jacob gets what he doesn't deserve. Favor ain't fair. God chose him. That was that. And, and some mysteries will not ever fathom. Why God worked with this is unexplainable. You've got to have a measure of faith when you read this story and you're looking at, at Jacob. Why God chose Jacob, I can't answer for you. I just know that he did. And so it's going to require some faith on your part to look at this story and say, how does that work? Jacob was an intelligent man. He was an intelligent manager. But Jacob didn't display the kind of character usually expected among people God calls. He didn't display it. He just got it from God. Because God decided that. Now listen to me. People like Moses, people like Samuel, even Daniel... You look at those guys and you say, well, they get the favor of God and they deserved it. Jacob doesn't fit in that category in this part of his life. Jacob is a better example to those of you who walk away from God and do things your own way for a time, like a prodigal child. And Jacob encounters his crafty equal. Genesis 29, verse 13, as soon as Laban heard that his nephew Jacob had arrived, he ran out to meet him. He embraced and kissed him and brought him home. When Jacob had told him his story, Laban exclaimed, you really are my own flesh and blood. Thus the manipulation begins. So Jacob's lessons begin, and that's what we're going to look at real quick. His uncle Laban is just as sneaky and... Actually, he's more sneaky and conniving than Jacob. And after one month of work for Laban... Yes, I said that. After one month of working for Laban, he asked Jacob what would he like as payment. And at this point... The love bug had hit him. Now, I need you to have that video ready. Um, Yeah, okay, so you're ready. Look at the, the, the agreement they made. Because Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel, which was Laban's younger daughter. Right? So there's two daughters. Rachel is the younger of the two, and Jacob was hit. One month in, he's all in. Genesis 29. Here it is. Verse 19. Agreed, Laban replied. I'd rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay and work with me. So Jacob worked seven years to pay for Rachel. 
Did y'all hear that? That, that, that just, but listen to this last line. But his love for her was so strong that it seemed to him but a few days. So what Jacob does is he contracts with Laban for seven years. Labor, he would receive his youngest daughter as payment. Here we go with the video now. I just need y'all, I'm going to take you back to the 80s. For those of you who didn't grow up in it, here we go. Here's a glimpse into the 80s. Go ahead. All right, you can cut it. Jacob was hit, slammed with that. I asked the early crowd, does anybody know the name of the group? <laughs> Any, I, I'm waiting. I'll, I'll give you a hint. They are not from America. They did come across the pond. 10CC, the number 10CC, I have no idea why, and maybe they were one-hit wonders, I'm not sure, but the things we do for love, for seven years, but it seemed like a few days. I think he was messed up, but (laughs) Jacob agrees to this. And of course, he gets food and shelter for that seven years of service. Um, And and then I want to take you to Genesis 29, verse 21. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood and prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob and he slept with her. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged at Laban. I worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Now I know you're messed up right now. How is it possible? So I want you to see a couple of things in this. You've got to get out of your American idea of marriage and culture and all of that stuff. The first thing I want you to catch is when he slept with Leah, she's his wife. That's what sealed the covenant. It wasn't a ring. It wasn't vows made in front of a bunch of people. When you slept with her, she's your wife. It's a done deal. Signed, sealed, delivered. And that's why Jacob's like, wait! 
This is is not what I worked seven years for. And so this happens. They throw a big party. It's late. It's getting late in the evening. They don't have all these spotlights and such. They've got one watt candles burning or not candles, uh, little oil lamps. They've been in partying all afternoon. And you know what happens after you drink a little bit of wine and a little bit of wine and a little more wine? Suddenly you're, the sister starts looking like the other one and everything is just, it's like, okay. Then you wake up. I know no one in here has ever had any experience like that. But in case, just for the people watching online, maybe we'll catch them in this. Jacob demands an answer from Laban. Laban leans on culture. He says, in our culture, and I'm thinking, you're his uncle. What are we talking about? Two different cultures here? But anyway, uh, he leans on culture and says, you know, the oldest daughter goes first. Jacob is shocked. Lesson number one learned. Don't mess with Laban. Laban is sneakier than you are. Lesson number two, Laban ropes Jacob into seven more years' labor. This is not a two-for-one special. At least, though, Jacob gets Rachel on the front end. He doesn't have to wait till the seven years are over before he gets to enjoy life with Rachel. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Jacob says, nah, we signing this deal today. I'm going to do this in the daylight. I don't know what else you got up your sleeve, but I'm going to make sure it's Rachel this time before we roomies. So the favor of God begins to manifest, however, in Jacob's life. I want you to catch that. His work as a shepherd for Laban is blessed by God. Laban recognizes it. He begins to see it. Now, again, I'm telling you, go through and read all of this again. Get in the, into Genesis around 28 and just read through about 33. And this whole story unfolds. You get more information than you can get out of this message today. I want you to catch the highlights, though. Having learned his lesson, that is Jacob, he goes to Laban to ask permission to leave. He has the two wives. They're starting to have children. And, and listen, you got to understand... This is humiliating for Jacob because he's asking his uncle if he can leave. Do you know how old he is now? I told you how old he was when he's having kids. That that was Isaac, excuse me. But this is, he's 91 years old. Jacob is 91 years old at this point. Asking permission, can I leave? Here, here it is in the scripture. Soon after Rachel had given birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, now this is, Joseph is his 11th child. Jacob's 11th child. He's going to have one more, but Joseph is the one that he's, at this point, 
Please release me so I can go home to my own country. Let me take my wives and children, for I have earned them by serving you, and let me be on my way. You certainly know how hard I have worked for you. Now, I want to pause because this is too important of a principle for you to miss this morning. You hear what Jacob's saying? I have worked hard serving you. Now, I'm telling you he's learned something. He's learned a lesson negatively, but he's operating now in the positive. If you want God's honor, you've got to work God's way. I said it this way. God honors honor. No more manipulating by Jacob. He's just saying, I've served you with honor. For 14 years now, God has blessed me, let me be on my way, and return back to my homeland. Don't don't miss this principle, because Jacob figured it out. You're going to continue to try to manipulate, even when it comes to God, your friends and neighbors try to get what you want by manipulation. You need to change that principle. If you want God to honor your steps, learn how to walk in good character. Laban didn't deserve for Jacob to treat him well. Jacob chose to treat him well because he knew if he was going to continue in the favor of God, he had to walk honorably. But Laban's not done. He twists Jacob's arm to stay, gives him the spotted sheep in the fold. I'll explain. In their day, their time, their culture, they believed that a spotted animal was less pure than a singularly colored animal. All right, so just follow me on that. And so Laban says to Jacob, now see, he's still a manipulator. All right, Jacob, I'll let you have the spotted sheep Just stay with me for a little while. Because at this stage, again, Laban has seen the blessing of God that's on Jacob. He doesn't want to turn Jacob loose. He's seen it on his life. And so he says this, and once again, God prospers Jacob. Um, Look at Genesis 30, verse 43. As a result, Jacob became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep and goats, female and male servants, and many camels and donkeys. This is Jacob now. So Jacob, again, favor's not fair. God's blessing is on Jacob, and, and Laban can see it. Everybody around can see it because God's favor was on Jacob. We need to recognize, however, Jacob's intelligence because he devised some method Somehow, and I cannot explain it to you, been around farming most of my life, I just cannot explain to you why it is that he figured out a way that the strongest animals would give birth to spotted cattle and sheep. He figured out a way. The Bible tells us, but it it still don't make sense. I think it's supernatural. But whatever the case was, God used it, 
And Jacob got very powerful and had great flocks. His animals were better than Laban's. Laban was upset with him at this point because he's like, what are you doing? Why are you getting so many of those strong sheep and strong cattle? And they're all looking so healthy and good. My pure ones over here are looking shabby. What are you feeding them? And he said, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I got the spotted ones. Look at them. And so even the pure ones were given birth to spotted ones because God's blessing was on Jacob. Jacob has learned his lesson. And that's what I want you to catch. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your father and grandfather. All right, remember these words. You should be able to say this in your own head. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Not Abraham, Isaac, Esau. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Forefathers of Israel. And uh, your relatives there and I will be with you. I want you to pause on that for a minute. I will be with you. By the time God speaks, Jacob's learned his lesson. And it's been a long time since Jacob had heard anything from God. So he's operating out here, building his character, uh, honoring his uncle. He worked. Listen, he did, the, he did the thing. He worked for seven years, ends up with Leah, and then he works another seven years, but at least he got Rachel on the front end. Some of you, again, you, you, you got to read the story in between. God's blessing Leah. Leah's having son after son, child after child, and here's, here's Rachel. Ain't working for her. Excuse me. Um, yeah, Rachel. So it's not working for her. She's not having children. And so Jacob and, and Rachel, they pray, they believe God, and somehow God breaks through, and she starts to have children. And Jacob needs to hear from God now, though. And I have to say this to you. I will be with you are powerful words, aren't they? I will be with you. When the king of kings says, I will be with you, those are important words. I wonder who needs to hear God whisper. He did it today. He did it at the altar. He did that today. That was God whispering to you. It wasn't such a whisper in my eyes, but, 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 but what happened in the earlier part of this service, God was saying to you, I will be with you. I am here. I am present. Because of his experience with Laban, though, Jacob concocts a plan and he sneaks away at night. You need to catch that. He sneaks away at night. I know that may not make sense to you, but that's what he ended up having to do because Jacob has been deceived by Laban no less than 11 times. I told you he was a better manipulator than, and sneakier than Jacob was, but no less than 11 times. He slips away, but Laban catches up to him seven days later. I, again, I just you got to figure all of this stuff out, but it, it's simple enough. Jacob is going with all of his wives, his children, his flocks, and he's carrying the whole entourage. There could have been as many as 
300 people with him at that time with, between servants and this and that. And then you consider all of the lambs and the sheep and the cattle and the camels and the donkeys and all of that. That's how they're moving. And so when Laban takes off after him, he's probably taken off with a small army of men. And it takes him seven days, but he gets there. He thought he was running away from his troubles, but they caught up to him, Jacob, that is. Anybody ever been caught up to by your troubles? <laughs> Just a couple of you have been caught up with your troubles caught up to you? Jacob used Laban in the right way to teach Jacob a lesson, and God used Laban, I should say in the right way to teach Jacob a lesson and they make a covenant. So after Laban catches up to Jacob, now you got to understand some of this stuff. At this stage, Laban, again, this is a cultural thing. Laban is upset that it happened this way because Laban feels responsible for his daughters and now his grandchildren. Jacob's about to take them all away. And, and Laban's mad. He's upset because he feel it's, feels it's his God-given right and responsibility to take care of his daughters and his grandchildren. Even though Jacob is there, uh, he feels a responsibility now. And so he's upset, but here's the covenant they make. So come, let's make a covenant. Oh, that's the mouse. Why is that in there? Okay, anyway. Um, so come, let's make a covenant, you and I, and it will be a witness to our commitment. That's why. That's, thank you. <laughs> Raina, I knew it could count. I kept seeing this white spot thinking, why is there a white spot on the screen? And then it was there too. Okay. Anyway. And it will be a witness to our commitment. So here's what they do. They make this covenant, they make an agreement, but then they put up some stones, which they often did, to signify their agreement to this covenant. And the stones are always proof that what they said at this moment, they were going to adhere to because stones don't die. The covenant will stand. And so he makes, he figured some things out now, right? I'm not let, we're not having a big party and you're going to fool me afterwards. No, broad daylight, we're setting up some stones. They do have a feast, but now they're doing it with clear knowledge. But having conquered that giant, Jacob faces another bigger one, Esau. Remember the other brother? He didn't go away. If you're interested in going up to higher places in God, you may find that just after you've passed one test, the next one awaits. I'll pause and take a drink. Has anybody ever experienced that here in the church? You thought you'd conquered something and you did a great, it was good and you did conquer it. And next thing you know, here's another test. 
And this is not God beating you up, rather it's God taking your hand. It's God saying, I want to take you up to higher places. And so some of these struggles that you're going through, some of this, this difficulty that you're going through, it's so I can bring you up to the next level. You have to pass this one zone first. And so God, in the eyes of God, he looks at Jacob and he says, all right, son, you've done good. You honored your, your father-in-law. You honored him. You treated him. Your character qualities have changed. Uh, I want to see if you can trust me now in this other area. Jacob is afraid of Esau. You'll see it. I'll read that passage to you. But this is not God beating you up. Rather, it's God taking your hand. Before Jacob meets Esau, Jacob meets with God. Look at it. I told you I'd read it. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is Jacob. I told you it had been a long time since he heard from God. He gets a hold of God, he ain't turning him loose. Till you bless me. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God's fa- God face to face, yet my life has been spared. I've seen God face to face. Yet my life has been spared. Jacob recognized that God used Laban to help him grow. He's learned his lesson now. <laughs> Look at Genesis 31, verse 7. But he's cheated me, changing my wages ten times. But God has not allowed him to do me any harm. You tell, you, so you get it when I tell you that Jacob learned his lesson with Laban. He's cheated me ten times on my wages. Ten times on my wages. He's cheated me, but no. God has not allowed him to do me any harm. That's a decision you make. You can let the situation, the circumstance, the person lay harm on you, but it's yours to choose whether or not it will damage you and your heart. Are you going to believe God? Are you going to believe that situation, that circumstance, even that person? Because maybe Laban wanted to keep Jacob down, but Jacob wouldn't be kept down. Because look what happens when he finally gets a hold of God. I know you you read it. It was a man. (laughs) I will not let you go. If it was just a man, how is he going to get a blessing from Jacob? Or for Jacob? How is he going to bless Jacob? It wasn't just, it was a uh, pre-New Testament 
picture of Jesus. Jacob is wrestling until he gets his blessing. Now, he paid a price for, for grabbing hold of him and wrestling with him because the Scripture says he touched him on the hip and he had a different kind of walk for the rest of his life. But he didn't leave without his blessing. I'm wondering who's in this place this morning, now this afternoon, and you're gonna, you need to hang on until you get your blessing. You say, well, he doesn't deserve for me to treat him right, but Jacob treated Laban right no matter what the circumstances look like. Like the woman with the issue of blood, Jacob fought until he was blessed. Jacob battled his shortcomings until he won. And Jacob decided he wouldn't settle until he got his blessing. Let me take it home for you guys today. I'm going to give you a minute to just write in your words. Get your words in there quickly now because I'm moving. I'll say it to you this way. Jacob has changed. Look at this. I told you I'd read this. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arm around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Then Esau looked up at the women and children and asked, Who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant Jacob replied. And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came Esau asked. Jacob replied, they are a gift, my Lord, to ensure your friendship. Do you hear what he called his brother? First he said, servant. And now he calls him, my Lord. God's work on Jacob has brought about a beautiful result. This story reminds us that the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. The New Living Translation says of that verse in Psalm 37, 23, it writes it, it's this way, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. God sees you, He knows you, He knows your story, and righteousness is doing right before men because of God. Jacob's learned something. He's not just out there now, he's no longer doing the manipulating. He's not trying to help God out. At this point, he's just walking out of righteousness and obedience. He's treating people right because it's right. Not because you emotionally decide whether somebody deserves you to be kind to them. Or to help them or be a blessing to them. Start listening to what God wants you to do and operating the way God wants you to operate and then you can receive God's favor and blessings. Craft and deceit bear that same kind of fruit. You you operate in that kind of manner, the law of sowing and reaping is going to catch up to you. Don't wait till you meet up with your Laban. God will use us, or excuse me, will will use everything that is at His, that's a misspelling in your notes too, 
that is at his disposal to accomplish what is necessary in our lives. He'll use everything that's at his disposal. Everything. We get to see the hand of God changing Jacob in this passage of Scripture or in these verses. And I'll, I'll show it to you now. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. He's not done. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me, along with my wives and children. That's why he got a hold of God until he got blessed. It's that. He's that. This is that guy. He's afraid of his brother. Because of what? Because of his past. I've got to say this to you. Because of how he had operated in his past, because he had manipulated and deceived, it had crept up to him. So there's still another lesson, isn't there? The, the damage he had done in his past. Some of, somebody's listening to me right now and you're thinking, I have done so many wrong things. I've messed up so many times. It's, it's got to catch up to me and it's going to mess me up. Jacob is afraid that his brother's coming to attack him, that he would kill some of his children, some of his wives, uh, or, or, or take his flocks and do damage to him. And, and so he's crying out to God, you promised me, look at it. And you promised me I will treat you kindly. In other words, Jacob is holding God to the promise he had made. Do you know where you can find a few promises? It's all throughout the Word of God. When are you going to grab hold of that promise? When are you going to hang on to God until you get your blessing? That which you need. Now, we're talking about life for Jacob and his family. He, he got a hold of God and he wouldn't turn him loose until, until he blessed him. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she wouldn't stop until touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And, and I'm wondering if you have that kind of stamina and that kind of strength that you'll get a hold of God. Listen to me, church. Jacob expects God to hold to his promise. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice to God there on the mountain and invited everyone to a covenant feast. After they had eaten... 
They spent the night on the mountain. They continued to worship God, claiming to the promise, clinging to the promise that he had received from God. I wonder if you'll do that. I wonder if you'll sing over your circumstance and your situation. I wonder if you'll believe God that no matter what it looks like, no matter how it appears in this moment, will you trust God to take you over to the other side? Will you believe him for that which looks impossible? Will you trust him when it doesn't seem like the situation is fit for God to show up? But God is one who works through the impossible. God doesn't look at the circumstances like you do. He's above those circumstances, and yet he's right there holding your hand. He'll bring you through. Don't you let your past and the mess you made out of it keep you from getting to where God has destined you to go. Start sowing the seeds all along the way to get it right because when God wants to bless you, you want to be open and ready for that blessing. And here it is. Jacob is clearly a redeemed, forgiven, and changed man. Stand to your feet. Robert, come on over. I know it's late. Had an extensive altar already, but I, I don't want to leave this day without you recognizing. And some of you were down at the altar for this very reason today, already. And I, here's what I want you to do with this message. It's it's archived. It'll be archived. You can get it on our online services. You can find this. I want you to take hold of the message. And if you were here and you took the notes, keep the notes. Every time that it looks like you don't know how you're going to get through, every time the enemy tells you that you're, you cannot make it, every time that he speaks that word over you or somebody in your life says you were always a manipulative jerk and you'll always be one, Go back to this message. Read it again and again. And know that you are under a better covenant than Jacob had. Jesus is the Redeemer of all mankind. He is a perfect and pure sacrifice and He did everything that could be done to deal with your past, your messes, your mistakes, the things that you know you shouldn't have done. Even some of you have done them as believers. And you remind that devil that Jesus was the supreme sacrifice And you've made a covenant with Him that's written in His blood that says that Satan can no longer steal anything from you. He's not taking you back down that road. He's not rubbing your nose in your mess. You've been redeemed. 
You've been covered by His grace and you're moving forward. Now listen, redeemed by grace means that you're not walking in the mess continuously. Because if there's grace to forgive you, there's also grace to help you not walk that walk anymore in your mess. God's given you strength to overcome. Father, I thank you that every man and woman that is in this place, every young person that is in this place, first of all, anyone that has tried to manipulate the circumstances and tried to twist things around to get their own way instead of waiting on you, trusting in you, putting their hope and their confidence in you to put the whole picture together. Even when you can't see it, Lord, I pray that you will help them to say, Lord, I trust you for what I can't see because I know you are trustworthy. You cannot fail, God. You are absolutely trustworthy. And so, God, I pray that you speak into the lives of every man, woman, and child in this place now. And remind them, Lord Jesus, that you can see the entire picture. You are Alpha and Omega. You know the beginning from the end. And so, God, I know that your plan is for people to come up higher, to get to a better place. And God, if we would just trust you that that Romans 8.28 is for real and for us, all things work together for good. All things work together for good. To them that love God and are called according to His purposes, Lord, help them cling to that kind of promise even when it looks so dismal and dark for them. God, they'll stand up against the enemy in Him. They'll never take any any negative word from Him. They'll speak a new language, Lord. But you promised, Lord, they'll say it to you. You promised me that I would be the head and not the tail. You promised me that you would provide for me according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus, that the riches of heaven are mine. And that includes mental, emotional, physical riches, God. God, bless your people and let them walk out of here today knowing I serve a great big God who's awesome and got my life in his hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you folks. I love you. Have an amazing day today. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give 
through www.centralfamily.net.